All right, I have an opening question for us to get the episode started. What is the best movie you've seen in the last year? In theaters, at home, streaming, whatever. What's the best or a, a favorite movie of yours that you've seen in the last year? Oh, geez. You know what? I We just saw it recently. I loved the movie Wonka. I know it's still in theaters, and like I said, I know we just saw it recently, but it was such an amazing movie. Timothy Chalamet was absolutely incredible. The movie itself was so beautiful, and I really liked the singing. I thought it was great. Yeah, Wonka was fantastic. I would have to say my favorite movie that I've seen in the last year was the 2023 national championship game. I think in terms of cinematic experiences, the amount of jubilation that I felt in that moment, I've, I've never felt in any movie theater or watching any other thing. So that was my, no, I think uh real answer, the uh, Jennifer Lawrence comedy where she like pretends to, to date the guy. So no hard feelings. Oh, no hard feelings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that was a favorite. And then also, of course, Oppenheimer easily makes my top 10 movie all time list. Um, if you are hearing strange noises on the podcast today, uh, we happen to be graced, no pun intended, by, in my opinion, our most attractive podcast guest that we've ever had. Um, also happens to be the first podcast guest we've ever had, but I think she'll continue to be the most attractive. My wife, Grace, is joining us on the podcast today, everybody. Baby, thank you for being here. I, I know you're very excited. And for all the listeners, if you love Big Ten football, then you came to the right place. Welcome to Big Banter. If you're new here, like us and follow us wherever you're listening, Apple or Spotify. And then make sure you get us on the socials, Instagram and threads at B1G Banter. And then on Twitter or X, whatever you call it. Depends on if you were born before or after 2013. Uh, at B1G Banter Pod. Uh, so, Grace, my lovely wife, say something nice to the listeners who get to hear you for the first time. I just want to thank everybody for listening, for giving my husband a nice creative outlet, and for giving him an opportunity to talk Big Ten football with people who actually know something about Big Ten football instead of me just being a sounding board and just smiling and nodding as he talks about all of it to me. So thank you so much for listening and for giving him this opportunity to talk about something that he really loves. It's nice of you to think that people have given me this opportunity and it wasn't just me and Ethan and Corey saying, we should just make a podcast. Like you make it sound like people were asking for this, like, guys, why have you not made a Big Ten podcast yet? Like, people want to give you this opportunity. No, we just did what any white guy does in his mid-20s and made a sports podcast. And that's what we've done. Okay. But thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, hopefully, we keep racking up big numbers. So, what we're going to talk about today. Today was National Signing Day. The last National Signing Day for the 2024 classes. So, 2024 recruiting classes. All done. There's still going to be a transfer portal window, but we're going to focus on the freshman classes today. We're going to get into the Big Ten recruiting uh, rankings. We're going to get into our personal top three schools that we would commit to if we were a five-star quarterback. We've got some fan questions from you, the people, and then we're going to do some Super Bowl picks 
two and best bets for the Super Bowl. But we're going to start off with, you know, something that some people might consider boring, but this is a college football Big Ten podcast. Uh, there are huge rumblings that are happening in the world of college football right now. And none of it is happening on the field. None of it is happening on the recruiting trail. None of it is happening in the locker room. It is happening in the courtroom and in offices around the country. So what was announced this week was that the SEC and the Big Ten, Mr. Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, and Tony Petiti, the commissioner of the Big Ten, they are creating what they're calling a joint advisory board between the conferences. Now, you might think these are the two behemoths in this conference. There typically isn't a lot of alliance between the two of them, and there's not. But they're doing this for a very large reason and one that any any college football fan who hasn't been living in a cave knows about. NIL is out of control. The college football calendar in general is out of control. Um, issues and in, in, in the courts with players, are they employees, are they not? So basically, these two guys got together and were like, the NCAA keeps sitting on their hands and we someone has to do something about this. So this advisory board made up of university presidents, chancellors, and athletic directors is basically built to address the biggest concerns in college football. And they listed them out in an article in Yahoo, Ross Dellinger kind of did. Lawsuits was number one in terms of players and, and are they employees, are they not? The second one was the NCAA's Project D1 is what it's called, which was basically the NCAA president's proposal to address all of this stuff, which in all honesty does not go far enough in addressing these issues. And then the last one is transfer portal, tampering, and NIL. And the reason this is important, one, it's the two biggest conferences and the two people with the most power in college football joining forces and saying enough is enough. Like we have to do something. And there's no doubt in anybody's mind that these two guys and these two conferences have more power than C- than the NCAA does. The NCAA does not have what it takes in terms of speed and, quite frankly, intellectual creativity to do what is necessary to make the sport healthy again. So these guys are like, we got to get this done. And this... You know, they've kind of maintained in their comments that this is not meant to be like, a oh, we're going to break away from the NCAA eventually and we don't need them. We're just big, bad conferences. But the speculation amongst everyone else in the world is that, oh, this might be the start of, hey, NCAA, we don't really need you anymore. And like I said, they've been quoted, I shouldn't say directly quoted, but it's mentioned in the article that, you know, Sankey has said, like, this is not meant for us to break away. They actually phrase this advisory board. They they frame it in terms of this is us getting together as conferences to figure out what we want college football to look like and then go tell the NCAA, go tell the NCAA president what we want it to look like. And that way they can work on the solution. That's the way it's framed right now. So what do we think that looks like then if they go to the NCAA and they say, this is what we want college football to look like. We've laid all this out. We have this advisory board and the NCAA says, we don't really care. Well, 
Okay, two two answers. One, if they go to the NCAA with some type of solution, uh, it's kind of TBD on what the NCAA can do because the SEC and the Big Ten don't like the NCAA's ideas, which is that NCAA Project D1 that I briefly mentioned. I'm not going to get into the weeds on this stuff because it's super boring and kind of hard to interpret. But the SEC and the Big Ten don't like the NCAA's current plan. So if they present them with something, the NCAA's hands might be a little tied because there are so many lawsuits going on out there right now in terms of players and universities going after the NCAA. Oh, are they, whether it be an NIL lawsuit or a we're employees and we want to unionize lawsuit, there's so much going on there that I don't even know if the NCAA could act. And if they could, I don't know that they would necessarily bend to the conferences. So like you said, what if the NCAA says we don't want to do that? I think that might be the best case scenario for the sport, to be honest, for the, for the conferences to just say, okay, fine, then we're going to go do this on our own. Because the NCAA has too freaking much on their plate. They govern every single collegiate sport when the only one that is making buku bucks is football. Football's gotten too big. I, as much as anybody, want to be a traditionalist for college football and maintain the purity, the sanctity, the the kids are going to school because they love the school, right? And they and they want to play for the colors and and the crest, right? And and all the alumni before them. That's just there is an element of that to college football, but we have to tame the stuff that's out of control in order to maintain any of that sanctity. And right now the NCAA can't do that. And I think the conference commissioners and athletic directors, if they all got together in a room, they'd think of a better solution than the NCAA ever could. And they would be able to act faster in terms of implementing it if they did break away. Cause now all of a sudden they're making decisions for like what? 30 schools instead of hundreds. They can move much faster as a smaller group than as being part of the NCAA. So I don't want to take up too much time on this, but just keep that in the back of your head. This advisory board, it could just be a drop in the bucket in terms of what is to come with the SEC and the Big Ten. Do they break away? Do they bring some other schools with them? Do they get bigger as conferences and then say, okay, now we're going to break away from the NCAA? Or do they negotiate with the NCAA? Do they play ball? Does the NCAA play ball? And do some court cases go their way? And they say, all right, now we can join together to figure out something. And all the meanwhile, in the background of this, there's CFP, like the college football playoff. There's technically only an agreement for the next two years. And after that, no one really knows what's happening. College football is at a crossroads. And it's the most important crossroads the sport has ever reached. And stories like this are going to keep coming out. And we're going to keep telling you about them. Because there are going to be breadcrumbs that tell us what this sport is going to look like. And I have a feeling these conferences are going to take over in a matter of time. Okay, that's the boring stuff. That's the big picture. Let's get into what's happening today. So National Signing Day was today. 2024 classes are done. And here are where things shook out in the Big Ten. Let's start at the top. Uh, uh, You know what? Let's start at the – should I start at the top or the bottom? Let's start at the bottom. Let's start with the losers. Let's scrape the bottom of the barrel. Okay. Coming in, 
with the number 86 class overall, last in the Big Ten, UCLA, the Bruins. Right above them, the Northwestern uh, Wildcats. Uh, right above them, Indiana with the 59th ranked class. Right above them, Illinois. Then we have Michigan State, the Spartans, brand new coach, Jonathan Smith. Above Michigan State, we have Maryland. And then we have Washington, reigning runner-ups in the national championship game. Washington is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12th in the Big Ten in recruiting. That's shocking. Shocking. How how did that happen? I mean, they were just playing for a national championship. Well, this is what happens when your head coach gets poached by Alabama. This is the ripple effect of Nick Saban retiring. Saban retires, and the coaching carousel begins. And, of course, Alabama is not going to go get some up-and-comer who's unproven. They're going to go get someone who's done some damage. So they went and got Kalen DeBoer. And uh, it's decimated Washington's – their roster is not super decimated, but definitely took a hit in recruiting. So Washington is at 38 nationally. They're 12th in the conference. Right above Washington is Rutgers. Then above Rutgers is Minnesota. Then we get into the top nine. So Iowa's at ninth in the in the conference, not nationally. Wisconsin is 7th. Nebraska is 6th. USC is 5th. Some people might be surprised here. At four is Michigan. Third is Penn State. Second is Ohio State. And number one in their first ever offseason in the Big Ten, the Oregon Ducks come in with the best recruiting class in the Big Ten and the third best recruiting class in the nation. Your your jaw has dropped. Yeah, I'm I guess I'm shocked that like Michigan fell. I, I mean it's not so low. I mean it's number 4. So but to come behind Oregon, I mean Michigan just won a national championship. What else are recruits looking for? I, but I mean Harbaugh did just leave. He's announced that he's gone and that I'm sure is a huge factor for a lot of kids coming into the school. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Harbaugh's gone. He's taken a few coaches with him. Um, a few coaches that, from what has been said on Michigan Twitter, some were integral in recruiting, especially the strength and conditioning coach. And Michigan, to be honest, they've never been a recruiting power, but you would have hoped, right, that after winning a natty, you'd be able to crack the top 15 nationally in recruiting. Like, they're the fourth class in the Big Ten. They're the 16th class overall in the country. So they didn't even recruit a top 15 class coming off of a national championship season. And yes, Harbaugh left, but you would have thought promoting from within with someone who was already on staff would have prevented some of this. Well, and somebody too who what coached six out of the regular four of the regular season games without Harbaugh there and won every single one of them. Yeah, and two of those games being Ohio State and Penn State, who, oh, look, they finished above Michigan in recruiting. Like, it's wild. Now, you know, we're kind of framing this in, like, 
the most ideal, like perfect world of like, of course, recruits are going to go where the winning happens, right? Like that's why Georgia has the number one class in the country because Georgia just keeps winning. So why don't they choose Michigan? Well, Ohio State, uh, not so quietly is paying out from between their cheeks for recruits. Like it's just, that's what's going on. They're, they're Scrooge McDuck diving into their pile of gold coins and throwing them out to anyone who wants them. That's just, let's just face reality here. That's what Ohio State is doing. Penn State has always recruited well, but it's never made sense to me because they constantly underachieve. And Oregon is doing something similar to Ohio State. They're able to pay a lot of money in NIL, and they have probably, if not the best facilities in all of college football, uh, top five, right? Like Phil Knight, Mr. Mr. Nike keeps Oregon. They're, they're set up real nice over there as athletes. So this is the whole Big Ten list. A couple other takeaways for me. Oh, shoot, i got to plug in my laptop or else it's going to die. And then this whole thing is going to be for naught, and that would be very sad. Um, okay, a couple more takeaways for me. Nebraska. Nebraska comes in with the 18th class nationally and the, let's see, one, two, three, four. Let me take off my socks. Sixth class in the Big Ten. Nebraska's got some momentum, people. Like, Nebraska is doing some damage. Matt Rule has this ship pointed in the right direction. And there is a lot of reason to be excited if you're a big Red fan. Uh, also something surprising to me, Purdue coming in at number eight. They bring a top eight class into the Big Ten coming off a year that was pretty disappointing. Like there were flashes for them, but it was not a great year. And Ryan Walters seems to be getting some talent. Like for them to finish above uh, an Iowa who just went to the Big Ten championship game, for them to finish above a Washington who just went to the natty for them to finish above a Michigan state. Who's been a traditional uh, power or at least presence. And then for them to finish above a UCLA, that's huge for Purdue. Uh, The last team I mentioned is one I want to focus on too, UCLA. Um, I know UCLA doesn't get mentioned a lot in the college football world, but like grace, what's your just like, I mean, I don't want to call you a casual fan. You're not a casual fan. You pay attention. But which, by the way, if anyone's listening to this and be like, oh, why didn't he bring his wife on the podcast? Like, this isn't date night. This is college football. My wife knows ball, people. Literally, she knows ball. We talk ball together, and she hangs. Probably most of or more than a, than a lot of you. I, I was going to say a bad word, but I don't want to insult the listeners. But if you insult my wife, I will insult you. But okay, Grace, what's your just like perception of UCLA? Like, do you see them as a big brand, like school wise, football wise? I don't know. What do you think about UCLA? Honestly, I, I haven't heard much about UCLA football wise in terms of like general perception. It seems just to be where, um, a lot of like rich white kids go to school. 
<laughs> every school in California. Every school in California is that school. Um, Man, for them to show up last in recruiting is – and again, it's not like they're a college football power. They're obviously more of a basketball school. But they came, like, last. I keep saying that, but, like, last. And when I say last, I mean last. Like, they're behind Northwestern. They're behind Indiana. They're behind Illinois. I guess, like, I'm wondering then, like, what what were you hoping or why are you so surprised? As somebody who doesn't know a whole lot about UCLA football, you know, what what were you kind of expecting of them? First year coming into the Big Ten, now ignoring the situation at UCLA, I would expect a borderline top 10 class at minimum, a borderline top 10. Now, they kind of threatened to fire their head coach, Chip Kelly, and then he went into the last game of the year against USC and won, and then all of a sudden they were all like, oh, just kidding, we're not going to fire you. Like, literally, it was reported, like, Chip Kelly will get fired, like, tomorrow. And then tomorrow happened, and he won, and they were like, we are no longer firing Chip Kelly at UCLA. So that affects some perception from a recruiting standpoint. Like, oh, is this coach going to be there longer than one year? Like, you want that security. But Michigan's had that issue for years, and they haven't fallen up to the 86th class in the country. Uh, there's also some word out there that Chip Kelly doesn't necessarily love recruiting. He's not necessarily gung-ho about that part of the game and that part of the job. But – that's the lifeblood of college football is recruiting. Like that's kind of a, that's kind of a, if you don't do that, you can't do much else. I don't care how good your culture is or your scheme or whatever. You can only go so high with, with the 86th ranked recruiting class over and over again. So UCLA is absolutely disappointing. Um, I'll end with one more positive takeaway here. Uh, Minnesota. Minnesota has a higher ranked recruiting class than Washington, than Rutgers, than Maryland, and Michigan State. Minnesota, just, you probably don't know this. We talked about it a little bit on the pod. They had their starting quarterback transfer, and I forget what happened to their other quarterbacks. They had to pay a kid to come in and play quarterback for them in their bowl game because they didn't have anyone else on the roster. Like, Minnesota's kind of, we all picked them to go last in our power rankings last week. So Minnesota coming in with the 10th ranked class just behind Iowa. PJ Fleck kind of kind of did something here. Do I expect him to do anything with the talent on the team? Not really. But bringing in the 10th best class in the Big 10 is is nothing to shake your head at. And you know, before we get off of this of this list, Oregon and Ohio State, it really just you know, I don't want to say it sounds like a two-horse race because you never know what Penn State and Michigan are going to do um, and what surprise teams might come out of uh, of the Big Ten, like a Nebraska or Wisconsin. But Oregon and Ohio State are just loading up on talent right now. And, uh, and at least on paper, it does seem like a two-horse race going into the season of who's going to be the favorite to win this conference. And unfortunately, one of those teams is Ohio State. 
Ohio State probably had to load up on as much talent as they did because they're tired of losing to Michigan every single year. So we'll see what they do with it. I mean, that's the thing. They they saw Michigan win a natty, and they've already they've always been the more talented team than Michigan. They've always recruited better than Michigan. And it feels like they're doubling down on their strategy to just like out talent teams. Luckily for them, as they're increasing talent, Michigan's talent is also decreasing because everyone's either going to the league or or whatever. Um, but it is, it, but it does seem kind of strange that they're just doubling down on. Ah, uh, let's just get more players. Let's just get more better players, and eventually it'll work. Yeah, this is a strategy that it seems has not worked for them in the last few years. I mean, you've said this has kind of been their strategy where they just load up on talent, but they don't do anything with it. So it is interesting that they said, we'll just keep doing this. And I believe that's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah. And, and something else too, like if you look at their class, it it doesn't feel like they loaded up on positions where they've been lacking. Like, if I had to ask you, where does Ohio State typically have a lot of talent on their team? Who are typically the best players on their team? What would you say? I feel like in the past they've had really strong quarterbacks um, and probably receivers as well. I'm, I'm just spitballing here. No, you're not spitballing. You are telling the truth. They load up at quarterback. And they load up at receiver. Typically, the skill positions for them are what they're super elite at. But what Michigan has used to bully them is offensive and defensive line play, like in the trenches. Hmm. Let's go look at Ohio State's top five commits in this class. Wide receiver, defensive end, corner, quarterback, and running back. Huh. Only one of those is a line player. It's the same thing. Like, we've been saying this for years. You have to totally change your philosophy as a team if you want to beat the teams that are beating you up. Even Let's go beyond that. So that's the top five, okay? And we had one lineman. Let's go to the next five. Corner, offensive line, linebacker, safety, corner. Two. We're, we're up to two, and we've gone through their top ten recruits. After that, you get into the three stars, which, you know, I know that's kind of star watching, right? Like, oh, just a three star. But then you get into two offensive tackles and another edge. Like, guys, it's you have to change the way you recruit these guys. It's just, I don't, I don't know. And some of these guys are enrolled. Hold on, let me look at these rankings. Uh, they got a couple other guys that are already like signed but not technically enrolled that there's a defensive lineman there's an offensive lineman okay yeah so i missed i missed two guys and one of them is still a three star so they're not they're not building their team in my opinion the way that it needs to be built but i'm not going to get into the weeds on this because Corey and ethan probably want to talk about that too but ohio state you hey ohio state you keep doing what you're doing i have i have loved love the way you've approached football the last few years. I think it's genius. I think it's something no one else is doing. 
I think that I think that a coward would give up. I think that a coward would would give up on their dream of building a football team the way they want to. So you keep doing what you're doing and you have faith in your plan and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Okay? Okay. You keep doing you. All right, let's get into the fun part. So I get to live out my dream, at least in my head, of being a five-star quarterback recruit and picking the school that I go to. Now, I did this last year, and I came up with my top three. I've I've removed two schools from my top three and changed them. One is consistent, but I've changed my top three a lot over the last year. So this will be a fun exercise for me. Um, Grace, when you were making your list, don't reveal any of them yet. What mattered? What what would matter to you if you were a five star quarterback recruit? Which I think we should just start off the conversation by saying, hats off for being the first ever female five star quarterback recruit in the history of college football. It's never been done before, and I'm just really proud of you for just breaking and shattering that glass ceiling. Thank you so much. I'm honored. I'm probably also the first quarterback to be like five feet tall. So that's also incredibly impressive. Um, But most quarterbacks are at least five feet tall, (laughs) but only five feet tall. Oh, oh, only five feet tall. Okay. I got you. Aren't you four eleven? I'm five foot even. Thank you. Oh, okay. That's what they all say. Um, so what would be important to me as a five-star recruit? Um, I personally probably would look at, um, campus life. You know, I'm not much of an extrovert, but when I do, you know, have my extroverted tendencies, I do like to go out, you know, I like to do things. I like to walk around campus. I like to hang out with friends and I want to know that like the campus life is kind of there. Um, just, just say you want to party. Just say you want to party. It's fine. We're married. I, I trust you. Just say you want to party. Just say it. I wouldn't say I necessarily want to party, but like I would like to walk around campus and it be a nice looking campus. I don't want it to be like dumpy. So campus life and kind of the way that campus looks probably a big thing for me. Location. Um, you know, I'm not too picky about weather or things like that. I mean, we were both born and raised in Michigan. So in terms of the cold and the snow, that doesn't really bother me. We grew up with it. I can live in it. I know that I can do that. So it's not really a big deal for me. Um, I love a good mascot too. I, if you have a good mascot and some good, you know, some good colors, I, I am all for that. If I can look good in a color, even better. All right. I love that. Uh, I am also big on colors and, and uniform. I need to feel – I need to look good on the field. If I don't look good on the field, I'm not going to play well. Um, so uniform for me is huge. Football culture is another one. Like is your college football team like the biggest show in town? Like that matters a lot to me. Um, And then coach slash winning. Like, I just want to win. I just want to win. If I was a a recruit, I I think, I feel like 
money would be like not first thing on my mind. Because if I'm a five-star quarterback, I'm kind of believing already that like I'm going to find a way to make money. Like It's probably going to be in the league. So when I'm in college, I just want to win and go get a ring. So that's what I'm thinking about. So, okay. Let's get to our list. Start off with number three. Grace, who is your third-ranked school that you would commit to as a five-star QB? So this is a little bit of a sentimental one. Um, They have a great mascot, and it is Minnesota. I love the Golden Gophers. As you know, my dad's grandpa name is Gopher. So that, it it had to be in there just because you got to love the Gophers. And I really don't mind the colors, the maroon and gold. I think it's a great combo. So I, I have Minnesota. You are rowing the boat with PJ Flick. I'm shocked. I did not expect Minnesota to come out. I didn't expect... I didn't expect any school above the Mason Dixon line to come out of your mouth. That is unreal. Also, like side note to the listeners, we told ourselves we're not allowed to pick Michigan in this because obviously that's who we would both pick. I went to school there. Grace is also a huge fan, has been, but now even more so because of me. So, uh okay, wow, Minnesota. All right. Hey, they could use you. I'll tell you that much. Okay, number three on my list. Probably a bit of of surprise. Might need a little bit of explanation, but it's Nebraska. People don't know about Nebraska. People don't know about Nebraska. Nebraska is a sleeping college football giant. If you look up where they sit on the all-time wins list in college football history, I believe they're in the top five. At, at worst, they're in the top 10. I probably should have looked it up before this if I was going to mention it. Uh, do you want to be my research person? Can you can you look that up while I'm talking about them? Sure. Oh, my God. What am God. I looking up? <laughs> Where All-time program wins in college football history and where Nebraska ranks. Okay. Give me a moment. Okay. You got it. Um, so, yeah. And – and great football culture. Like, they don't have any professional sports in Nebraska. It is it is Cornhuskers or bust. Cornhuskers or bust. Like, you saw what they did for their volleyball team. That is legit. That place would go nuts if their football team was elite again. And they already do go nuts. They sell out that place and go crazy for that team, even though they've been dog water for years and Matt rule has them pointed in the right direction. So Dylan Riola, I know why you went to Nebraska. I get it. Uniforms, not the best, not my favorite, but also not the worst. I kind of like the helmets, just the plain N. like that's, that's pretty classic. Do we, do we have an answer yet? I'm looking, I'm, not quite sure what I'm reading, if I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> um, what I've got is Nebraska last made their appearance in the AP Top 25 in 2019. They were ranked at 25. Oh, yeah. No, that's not it. 
um, last made an appearance in the top 10 in 2016 at number nine. I'll, I'll, yeah, you're going to have to look it up. I'll find it. I'm looking for where they rank in all time wins, like number of wins. She's typing. I can see it. All right. While she's typing, I'll go to my number two school. My number two school will not be a surprise. This is the one school that was on my list last year, and they were also at number two. Florida State, the Seminoles. Um, first of all, fantastic weather. I get to be in Florida. Second of all, great uniforms and great colors. Although I do think they've made their uniforms a little bit worse because they made that pattern, like the the Seminole like tribal pattern, smaller. They've gone to their classic look. I wish they kept it big regardless. Uh Top five helmet in college football. The spear. Oh, the freaking spear logo on the side of their helmet is so freaking awesome. And dope coach. Mike Norvell knows what the heck he is doing down there in Tallahassee. So give me Florida State at number two. I have your answer for Nebraska, by the way. So we'll go back. Um, Nebraska is ranked at number nine overall with 917 wins. There we go. Top 10. See, that they were a beast in the 90s, and they've fallen off since Tom Osborne left, and they uh, won that natty in 97 with Michigan. But they're a college football sleeping giant. Uh, all right, Grace, your number two team. My number two should really come as no surprise to you. It is Pittsburgh. We live in Pittsburgh, and the fact that Pitt plays at – I'm going to call it Heinz Field, is sick. I love the field that's right on the river. It's absolutely amazing. And I think the culture surrounding Pitt is so cool. Yeah, Pitt's got, Pitt's got a little bit more football culture than I would have thought before moving here. Because contrary to popular belief, not everyone in Pennsylvania is a Penn State fan. Like, there are people who are legit only Pitt fans. And Pittsburgh, like, Pittsburgh embraces them. Pittsburgh doesn't want much to do, if anything, to do with Penn State. They're Steelers and they're Pitt people, which is actually kind of dope that you can be that, like, you can be that underdog school in your state. That's kind of sick. Uh, I'll let you keep going. Who's your number one school that you, were, you would pick? My number one is Tennessee. I don't know what it is about Tennessee. We went and saw the campus a couple years ago. We walked around a little bit, loved it. You can tell it's a football town, which I love. Um, Don't mind the colors, but there was something about Tennessee that just really like struck me. It felt very like, I know it's a big school, but it felt very like hometown given the culture surrounding football, I think. And I loved it. Huge Tennessee fan over here. Go Vols. She really does love Tennessee. If they're, if Michigan's not on TV, she wants to watch Tennessee play football. Um, okay. My number one school. I've gone back and forth on these guys. Used to not like them. But, man, they're, they're growing on me. The Oregon Ducks. I, oh my gosh. I almost put the Ducks because 
I loved the mascot. I thought it was so fun. And the colors. I mean, the colors, the jerseys, just they're they're chef's kiss. They're so nice. I love them. I used to, I don't know what it is, but these Oregon jerseys that they wear right now, I used to think they were like kind of trash. I don't love the numbers on the jerseys, but I don't know. It's like the more I see the jerseys on TV, the more I'm like, why do I keep loving these? Like at, at first glance, I was like, gross, ew, hate them. And I don't know. It's just the more I see them on TV, the more I'm like, I want to wear that jersey. I want to be in that jersey. Dan Lanning, what a coach to play for. I would love to play for Coach Dan Lanning. I would love for our son to play for Coach Dan Lanning. And you get to be in one of the most beautiful states in the in one of the most beautiful parts of the country in the Pacific Northwest. So yeah, give me man, give me Oregon. You get you get uh uh one of the loudest stadiums in college football too. Like they freaking love their Oregon Ducks. Like that fan base is so thirsty for a championship football team. Yeah, oh uh yeah, Oregon's number one for me. Oregon's number one. Uh okay. We have some fan questions. Three of them. Let's start off with okay. I'm gonna start off with this one because I'm gonna have to table this one. This is a question from uh from Teague. Teague, thank you for listening. Thank you for always submitting questions. You're the freaking Bob man. He submits questions on Instagram. Uh, and we always give him shout outs. So if you're listening and you're like, man, I wish I was getting shouted out on the podcast like Teague all the time. Follow us on socials. Talk to us. We will mention you. So Teague asked, uh, how many Big Ten players go in the first and second round in the NFL draft? So the NFL draft's not till April. We haven't gotten like too deep into the mock drafts and stuff yet. Uh, and it also kind of depends, Teague. Are we... Like the players who are being drafted from Washington and Oregon and USC and UCLA weren't technically part of the Big Ten when they were playing, but now it's the so like are we including those schools? Um, if if we include, I'm going to say we include those schools because it's the off season. I mean, it's going to be a high number. You've got 64 picks between the first and second round. You've got at least three quarterbacks, four, probably four quarterbacks that are going to get taken. Um, It's going to be, it's going to be North of 15. It's got to be at least 15 players from the big 10. If you include the new schools that are going to be drafted, but we'll get into NFL draft stuff closer to, uh, to April to actual draft draft time. Uh, Next question. Uh, Will I break a hundred in golf this year? I have a feeling I know who asked that question. Grace, would you like to answer this? I was going to say, I think I know who this question came from, and I believe it's my dad. It is. It is my father-in-law who who knows that I have a love-hate relationship with golf. I get so optimistic every off-season. Like right now, I'm dying to go play golf. 
Grace knows. I've been trying to to find either someone or a tea time to go golf this week because it's it's like the first nice day in February, and we're not going to have any more. Um, but God, I I also have this fear that I'm going to go out there and be so excited to golf, and then very quickly realize why I hate golf. Um, but this year. I'm breaking a hundred. Actually, I've broken a hundred before and I did it with your dad and he keeps forgetting. I've done it once. Now, will I do it again this year? Yes, I will. But let's not forget that I've done it one time before. I think the goal is to do it more consistently this year. Let's say that you did it once last year. Let's make it a goal to be consistently under a hundred. Cause I think you'll be a much happier person if that's the case this year. I will be a much happier person if that happens. And does that make me an emotionally unhealthy person? Yes. Yes, it does. Uh, Okay. Uh, Last question. How many games will Michigan football win next year? Super interesting question. Um, As I'm stalling, I'm going to look up Michigan's football schedule. Uh, Here we go. 2024 Michigan football. So, okay, Grace, you can come off mute. We can both be off mute for this. Um, Let's just go through game by game, and we'll say win-loss, each of us. Some of these will be easier than others. Uh, Fresno State. Win. Yeah, that's a win. Uh, There's one. Texas. Um, I think I'm going to have to say a loss. I think I'm going to say a loss, too. Uh, Arkansas State. Win. Win. USC. Win. Win. I agree. Uh, Minnesota. Win. I agree. Um, Washington. Win. On the road. That one's on the road at Washington. Ooh. That one might be a loss. I'm super on the fence about that one. I do think Michigan's defense is still going to be super elite, so I'll say win. So I've got them at five. You've got them at four. Um, Illinois. Win. I got them at win, too, so I'm at six. Uh, Michigan State. Win. Win, yeah. Seven. Uh, Oregon. Is it at home or on the road? It's in Ann Arbor. Win. I'm going to say loss. So now we're both at seven. Yeah, we're both yeah. at seven now. Um, Indiana. Win. Win. Northwestern. Win. Win. Ohio State. Win. Win. So 10. I've got them at 10. Yep. I got them at 10 wins. I got them losing to Oregon and I got them losing to Texas and you had them losing to. Uh, Washington and Texas, Texas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think those are the three. I mean, I say those are the three games. You've also got USC on here, but I think USC, they've got a lot of problems to fix. And you've also got Ohio state on here. That one's in Columbus, but again, you just don't know if Ohio state's going to be built up enough at the positions that matter. I really want to see it from them, especially at the quarterback position. They've got a QB change. Um, but it's going to be interesting next year to see what Michigan looks like. Um, okay. Thanks for the fan questions, guys. Let's get to 
football royalty, the Super Bowl, 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 is happening this Sunday. We are four days out from the Super Bowl. Um, I'm I'm kind of pumped, and I'm also kind of not. I uh, actually no, I'm just pumped. Uh, before I was like, oh, freaking Patrick Mahomes keeps winning, Kansas City keeps winning, and now I'm like, you know what? I'm just excited to watch one last football game. Let's have one last go around, people. Um, any any thoughts going into this game, Grace? Whether they be Taylor Swift related or Travis Kelsey related or not. I mean, you know me. I'm just a huge Kelsey family fan in general. I've watched the Kelsey documentary on Amazon Prime at least five times. Um, So, you know, I I would... Five times? I have, yeah. It's a great documentary if you haven't watched it. I love Jason Kelsey. Let's be clear about that. Love Jason Kelsey. Um, But, you know, I think I wouldn't even be mad if... Travis won. Um, I'm not a huge Swifty. I enjoy Taylor Swift. I'm not a huge Swifty though. Um, but you know, I, I wouldn't be mad to see the Chiefs win. I have zero connection to the 49ers. So if I'm going between the two, I'm gonna pick Kansas City. Well, you say you have no connection to the 49ers. You do know who their kicker is, though. Moody. Oh my gosh. I forgot about Money, that. That's like Jake Money Moody is their kicker. That's my one connection to the 49ers. I would love to see him win, but if I'm going to go between Money Moody and the Kelsey's, I think I'm probably going to pick the Kelsey's, unfortunately. And just so everyone knows that Grace does know ball. I did not like mouth his name to her at all. I literally just did the money sign and she automatically knew who I was talking about. Like she is a Michigan fan. She knows what she's talking about. People. I keep defending your football knowledge as if people are going to listen to this and be like, get her off the mic. No, it's okay. It's a, you know, it's a valid uh, worry, I guess for like real, like hardcore football fans thinking that like you're, feeding me lines and to be fair i i can talk a good amount of michigan football when it comes to like the rest of the conference um i don't know as much i know what you tell me and kind of like what i hear from what you guys talk about on the pod um but that's pretty much it but michigan football especially during the season i can pretty much talk all day yeah she can that's why i married her um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm cheering for the 49ers. I think I just want it, it. If you don't, if you didn't know this, the quarterback for the 49ers, Brock Purdy, uh, he is what they call, or he was what they call Mr. Irrelevant. And Mr. Irrelevant means that he was the very last pick in the NFL draft two years ago when he was drafted. So, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he's like on pace to be, you know, people keep talking about if he wins this one, he's on pace to be like the greatest of all time, even better than Brady, which I hate that stuff because obviously Brady played at Michigan and I want him to stay the GOAT forever. And I think that conversation is happening too soon for Patrick Mahomes. But the other side of that coin is like, or the other side of this game 
is like, dang, how cool would it be for Brock Purdy to go from Mr. Irrelevant, last player taken in the NFL draft, to Super Bowl winning quarterback? Like, what an insanely awesome story would that be? It'd be very fun. It's a really great underdog story, and people love an underdog. And definitely between the two teams, the 49ers are the underdog. It's funny you say that because I thought the same thing. When I first went to go look at the line for this game, I was like, okay, how many points are the 49ers getting? The 49ers are the favorites in Vegas going into this game. Now, it is not by a lot. It's the last time I checked, it was one and a half points. Let me check and see if that's still the case. But like, it, it, I, I'm, I'm kind of like, I mean, Kansas City seems like, yeah, it's still minus one and a half. 49ers are still favored by one and a half. Kansas City kind of feels like easy money a little bit. Like they're like, I think they should be favored and they're getting points. Like that seems easy. That's shocking that they're getting points. I mean, this, like you said, this seems like an easy bet. Like you take Kansas City and you've got it. Yeah, the 49ers are coming off back-to-back playoff games where they had to come from they had to come from behind. Um, yeah, just a weird line. But okay, so I mean, we we may have already just made our picks. I'll go ahead and make mine. I, I think Kansas City's going to win this game. I think they're going to win outright. So, obviously, if I'm giving gambling advice, which I guess I am. If you listen to me all season long, you made money. So you should be listening to me now. Um, I would take Kansas City plus one and a half. I have money on Kansas City money line to win this game. I would also take Kansas City. I, I think they're the better pick, the smarter pick, especially if they're getting points. Um, so you can double down on that bet then. And that on the show, Grace, is what we call a big banter super lock when everyone on the show agrees with the pick. Uh, We don't know what Corey and Ethan picked, but uh, we don't need to know because we're all you need. Just take out your entire savings account, take out your 401k, put it on Kansas City, and thank us later. I don't know that we can give that kind of gambling advice. I don't think that's smart financial advice (laughs) to be giving. Do not do that. I, I I don't know. I think it's sound. I believe in my picks. I believe in your picks more so. Uh, if you have if you have any issues with your four hundred one k savings account and and wanting to gamble it, uh, there are hotline numbers you can call for that, and they actually give you one free like lock that you can put all that stuff on. So I think that's what the number is there for. Um. A best bet that I have for this game. Um, so I've uh, I I made a parlay for this one. Now I will warn everyone listening to this. I am the king, uh, the absolute king, of hitting two of the three legs of all of my three leg parlays. It it happens just about every time, and it's the most annoying thing in the world because I'm always so close to hitting the third one. So if you want to guarantee that you make money, just bet all three of these individually and you'll win two of three. But the parlay I've got on this game, uh, first one, Patrick Mahomes over 20 and a half rushing yards. He's done this 
Hold on, I had his stats pulled up, and now they went away. One second. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, rushing yardage. Yeah, over 20 and a half. He's done this in the playoffs. He's only done this one game. Okay, but before the playoffs, he did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten games in the regular season. He went over 20 yards. And the thing about San Francisco is they've got a really talented defense, but they've got a lot of pass rushers. Like they are their goal, or I shouldn't say their goal, their expertise is getting to the quarterback. Mahomes is so bendy and shifty and great at manipulating the pocket that I think if their pass rushers win quickly, he's going to get out of the pocket very quickly and just take what he can get downfield. So I'm taking Mahomes over 20 and a half rushing yards. I'm taking Travis Kelsey over five and a half catches. Ever since they've gotten to the playoffs, they have fed Kelsey like crazy, even more than they were doing in the regular season. And then just the kicker to boost the odds and make it a little bit more profitable. I've got a Christian McCaffrey anytime touchdown. That'll get you plus 200 on ESPN, at least at the time that I bet it. Uh, So that's my parlay for the Super Bowl. And that is the episode. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. It's been freaking awesome doing this with you. Uh, Grace will be on another time, I'm sure. And now our son is crying, so we should probably get off this podcast and, uh, and go take care of him. So, all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Peace out. Bye, guys.